text line. I just saw your recent pictures on the Armstrong and Getty website. I've been listening since 2002. You guys are still looking great. Those pictures are probably 15 years old. I'm guessing. (laughs) On the website? I don't know. There's a lot of old pictures floating around. Either that or somebody visually impaired. Man, that's common in the, uh, well, probably every business, but I see it in radio and TV and real estate and everything like that. You, you hang on to that picture from when you were 38. Oh, yeah. Till, yeah. Uh, for, for, for a very long time, and then people meet you. Ah! It's very common in <laughs> online dating, too. Oh, is it? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that. So uh, coming up, listen, the, uh, the, the big UFO story that everybody was talking about yesterday. Included that uh, really striking video from the fighter pilots off San Diego, the coast of San Diego, uh, following a UFO, a bogey, a foo. It's rotating. Right, exactly. Look at that, dude. Um, more on that. In-depth, contemporaneous account. That means at the time it happened. Uh, coming up with some really good description. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, but right now, we have limited time. Oh, we're going to break format a little bit this hour. Uh, toward the end of the hour, we're going to have to super shrink final thoughts because we got the journalist who broke this enormous Obama administration, uh, laid off Hezbollah and all their violence and their death and their drug dealing and their drug importing into the U.S. laid off on them to get the Iran nuke deal. It's a huge story. People are talking about it. We'll do it at the end of this hour. Right now, it's stories we won't be covering with Positive Sean. Sean, what's your first headline? Records are meant to be broken, at least according to this Frenchman. Francois Gabert completed a feat on Sunday of going around the world sailing solo style, just him on a boat. He did it in 42 days, 16 hours, 40 minutes, and 35 seconds. Doesn't seem like that fast, but keep in mind that he beat the previous record set just just previously the year before by fellow Frenchman by more than six days. Wow. So he sailed around the world in 42 days and changed. That's amazing. As a guy who's read some Magellan and that sort of stuff, uh, that is incredible. Yeah, solo sailing. And what's up with these Frenchmen doing the solo sail, huh? It's a thing in France, I I guess. guess so. You'd be shocked at how much time I've spent looking into the idea of sailing around the world. Wow. Really? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, a lot of time. You think you'll ever do it? No. No. No, not at the no. This was pre having children. Have you ever sailed a boat at all? No. Do you know they got okay. a plug? I did a tremendous <laughs> amount of <laughs> That's funny. I did a tremendous amount of research. Yeah. Uh read a number of books by about by people who have done it. I was really into the idea for a while. Hmm. And to, to plan for my future, you know, sure. someday doing it. Right. You gotta get your ducks in a row, huh? But uh yeah, I I But think... you got you got no ducks. <laughs> You know what? You know what most people do. Even people who have good sea legs, you get violently ill shortly after you take off and throw up until you can't throw up anymore, and then your body adjusts. And you do that every time you set out. Mm. That sounds awful to me. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Be like cold turkey and from heroin, I guess. Oh. Oh. Motion sickness. Not. Not. A, not a fan. Go ahead, Sean. What to do with the and Amer- the pirates? You got to watch out for the pirates. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Somali, Pittsburgh, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) What to do with the American malls? Now, malls are struggling with the brick-and-mortar business model as everybody is buying stuff online. Well, many mall owners and kind of the uh, those who make those decisions, they are turning them into more uh, event-based locations. 
Mall owners are spending billions of dollars to add more upscale restaurants, bars, premium movie theaters with dining options, bowling alleys, and similar amenities. You know, this isn't a bad idea. Great big area where you've got a whole bunch of light. It'd be like the concourse at the airport, only with really good restaurants. Less and stuff like selling, that. more doing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, turn- you got to do something with these malls. It's a serious problem. Turning the swaths of this space that previously had department stores into health clubs and grocery stores in many cases. Uh, CEO of mall owner CBL property, Stephen Lebovich, says, it's becoming less apparel and more dining, more entertainment, more service, more fitness, more wellness, and also more housing. Turn them into a pleasure dome or a thunder dome. Oh, something that, something that gets referenced a bunch. Uh, a lot of these places, like this one in Nashville, are adding a trampoline park, which sounds like a blast. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I can see that. So you got a place you work out, you shower, you get dressed, you go eat dinner at whichever the eight restaurants in there you want to go, and then you see a movie in there. Sure. Or jump on the trampoline, vomit your dinner. Especially places where they have bad weather, this could be popular. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so about 30% of the malls in this study were adding non-retail space. Among those, about 40% were adding apartments, 33% were adding hotels, and 30% were adding office space to rent out. Oh, interesting, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see, you know, they close off, like, part of a mall and turn it into a multi-level paintball uh, like urban paintball, uh, you know, well, center laser tag is essentially that. Yeah, yeah. I just I like this sting. I like I like to know I'm hurting my opponent when I hit them with my gunshots. <laughs> and it's not too late to go to the Super Bowl. You may even be able to get paid to do so. That's right. It's uh, stadium security is hiring now. The the where is the Super Bowl this year? Uh, Minnesota. The uh, indoor. The, or they have an indoor stadium. Correct? Yeah. Indoors, mm-hmm. yeah. who's, who's singing the national anthem? Uh, I don't know who's uh, Timberlake's doing the halftime show. I don't know who's oh, doing the right. anthem. Oh, that's right. It's the return of Justin Timberlake. First time since we saw the boob. All right. Cheat. I'm still not right. the same. The NFL taking a big, big risk. <laughs> now, the, the company Safe uh, is having trouble filling their usual spots for this because the unemployment low rate in Minnesota is so low. The job pays $18 an hour for a day shift, $24 per hour for an overnight shift. Uh, but you do have to go through some 12 hours of training before you can go. But 12 you, hours of yeah, training. But you get to go and you get to wear a yellow jacket. Tell me, hey, move it along, people. Let's move it along. Open your purse. 12 hours of training is basically nothing. Open your purse. <laughs> and those are the stories we won't be covering. Open your purse. <laughs> Ma'am, open your purse. No yeah. containers. You got to pour that out. No containers. No, open it doesn't purse, matter what it is. Pour no, it's out. not breast milk. Pour it out. Over there. You don't have a baby. Pour it out. Closest bathroom's over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you'd be part of... Super Bowl and John, you can't work security, be at Super Bowl without being at Proud to be an American. We got time. Why don't we play it? Can we play it? Serves one of our favorite things of all time. Yeah. I am looking for it. It'll right take now. a minute to come up with it. It's uh, yeah. drunk Pat Summerall or old. Maybe he's just I old. I think he's just old. With uh, John Madden back when he still did the football. Yes, illustrating the importance of having one's opening ready. Well, he'd probably done it that way for 50 years and pulled it off as, right. a, as a pro. Right. He just reached an age where he couldn't do it anymore. Right. God bless him. I will have to look in the archive. Oh, he should have done that interval training we were talking about. Honest to God, what happens to our sound clips? The people people move them around and erase them, stuff like that. We got we to we gotta get, get to the bottom of this. Yeah, it, it's kind of a mess in the back. Yeah, Anton, I want you to carry around a shiv. I want you to handcraft a knife. Anybody messes with our sound, you slash them. Well, why would anybody? I'm not talking though? about killing them. Just send a message. Why would anybody ever touch the computers that that store our various sound clips? 
Why would they ever need to be messed with at all? Don't get me started. I'm trying to get you started. <laughs> I want to get you started because this is a, a, a ridiculous situation. I'm like an old lawnmower. Won't you? <laughs> really? <laughs> That's kind of strange. Can't get me started. Shut up, kind of dull. Shut up and find the clip. Kind of dull. <laughs> Rusty. <laughs> Ugly. At least three pumps to get them primed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not able to least. find the clip, guys. Oh, oh wait see, a see, minute. That's wait ridiculous. an effing minute. Seriously. I want, somebody, someone... I want somebody fired over this. Yeah, I don't I don't care if it's... Uh, well, I don't... See? See? That's why you don't want to get me started. I'm trying to get you started. I start... No, you don't I want, want you to that. go too far. Oh, man. No, because I'll have to answer for it. Why don't you go too far? <laughs> Name the departments where people put, should probably hey, be I think fired. I found something here. Okay. Let's see how we're doing here. Super Bowl 36 coming up between the St. Louis Rams and the New England Patriots. And, John, you know, you can't be here. You can't uh, be experienced this great experience that is Super Bowl. Then be proud. You have to then be proud to be an American and proud to be just a part of it. Hey, Uncle Vin. Surprising. That's the last year he did it. Uncle Vinny, you're drunk. (laughs) All right. Stop drinking. Surprising. That was the last year they let him do that. Jeez, was that 36, did that say? Yeah, that was immediately uh, post-9-11. That's old. Well, not immediately, obviously. It was uh, was a bad look for the most watched TV show of the year for all humans. Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Forgive and forget. That's what I suggest. So the New York Post uh, had an article out yesterday saying, if you want obstruction of justice by a president, you need to look to Barack Obama and what went on with Iran. Right. We'll get to that story. Plus, a contemporaneous account of that UFO footage we all saw yesterday. Want to hear the sound again? Sure. Of those pilots? Unless somebody's erased it. Encountering a UFO. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. saying like Robert Mueller and his investigations I don't know where that will go I'm just saying I don't think we should be shocked if Donald Trump quits I could see him quitting could be the first president who just quits the job two years in I could see Donald Trump leaving the White House after he's got all these tax cuts and he just walk out and be like I'm done unlike most presidents I did it in half the time folks so much faster you know, speaking of the tax cuts, here's a poll I hadn't heard. So the, in theory, I don't know anything about them, nonpartisan, what are they, TJ something or other, tax organization, um, analyzed the tax, uh, the new tax plan and said 80% of people will receive a tax cut, 5% will receive tax increases. It's a gift to the wealthy on the backs of the middle class. I've heard Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi say that over and over again. Well, according to that independent analysis on CBS, 80% of people will receive a tax cut. Oh. Uh, so, there you go. I don't know. Uh, to be fair, CNN is out with a Trump approval rating that is the lowest he's had since he took office in the CNN poll at 35%. Mm. Now, uh, who NBC Wall Street Journal had him at 41 earlier in the week. He had ticked up, so mm. somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, it certainly counter goes uh, runs counter to the conventional wisdom for a very long time that 
you know, it's all about the economy and consumer optimism, presidential uh, favorability ratings, because uh, evidently obnoxiousness trumps that. You go, who knew? You go pre-Trump and tell somebody, okay, you got a president. The stock market it is at a record high. Has set eighteen records in the previous year. And unemployment's at an all-time low. And Consumer people, optimism is at a, a many-year high. And any pundit would say, that guy cannot be beaten. Small business optimism is at a, a, a high for quite a while. That I don't guy's, remember how that long. That guy's but. over 50% approval and cannot not be reelected. Right, exactly. He's a shoo-in. But, Unless he assassinates the vice president, and then it's a coin flip. The rules are different now. Right, yeah, yeah, interesting. I'll grant you, Trump's obnoxious. He's tough to take, but... You know, we'll all live through these times and uh, be able to talk about them over a And nice enjoy something beverage. worse in the future. <laughs> right, exactly. Or we'll be atomized by North Korea. Anyway, uh, so uh, listen, everybody was paying attention to that big X-Files story uh, yesterday. Some people paying attention to the fun space alienists uh, of it. Some people talking about how Harry Reid and a couple of cronies managed to fundle, uh, funnel tens of millions of dollars to a buddy of his. No, 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 no. The headline I saw is Harry Reid has a real interest in UFOs. Okay. Is why he created that. Not because he happens to have a donor who is going to get all the money. Ah, well, see, uh, that's, uh, I apologize. I was wrong. Good journalism. You want to hear the, uh, the audio? Uh, yeah, please. Uh, this, oh, well, I was about to say, and, and the other thing people really focused on yesterday was the super cool video and audio of some American fighter pilots tracking a bogey, a UFO, and talking about it. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. Oh, I think, dude. That's not an LNS, though, is it? It's not. It is an LNS, dude. Well, if there's a good thing, it's rotating. Yeah, really cool. So, they didn't seem scared. But no. they don't seem to know what it is. Do you, do you, when you're flying around, do you see lots of stuff you don't know what it is? Is that pretty common occurrence? Uh, oh, look at that. There's a whole bunch of drones or something spinning around. I'll be darned. Going against 120 knot wind. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. It's not common, common. Why but... didn't they blast them out of the sky? Uh, <laughs> That'd be my rule. That's a, <laughs> if you can't identify it, kill it. <laughs> if you can't identify it within five seconds, put it on the ground. <laughs> nice. Nice. So uh, we got this cynical note from John who says uh, he thinks the he said the two guys on the audio track don't sound like fighter pilots. The video quality too poor to be useful and determined. It's garbagey, hoax, government misinformation. But John, listen, uh, some of the it's best, an effing drone, bro. Some of the uh, some of the best advice I've ever gotten in my life has been a little hurtful to receive. Sometimes you need a little course correction. John, you seem to be one of those guys who's assuming the automatic rejection of everything because you think it makes you sound smart. It's a common technique of the mm, mm, not as intellectually gifted. Wow. But automatic rejection of everything to make yourself seem smart doesn't come off as smart. That's a legitimate cockpit video from, what were they, F-18s? F-18. Off the coast of San Diego. Yeah, that's right. So you believe it was alien invaders here to visit us? (laughs) Yeah, that's just what I said. How could anybody miss that in my words? Anyway, uh, alert listener. Oh, somebody. I don't have the cover sheet. I'm an idiot. I apologize. Send us along a contemporaneous account 
uh, written shortly after that incident of somebody who served and flew with the people involved and talked to a bunch of the people. And and it's a very long article. It's too long, but I'm going to skim some of it. Um, first of all, the guy mentions that he flew with these guys, uh, funny guys, smart, sharp-witted, typical fighter pilots, overestimation of his skills, uh, but all business as professional as it gets, blah, blah, blah. So cocky, confident, but really good flyers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, on the morning of 14 November 2004. My brother says the fighter pilots are really, really cocky. Oh, yeah. When he's at the air base. Just in obnoxious. Dubai or wherever the hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Must uh, be the kind of person you have to be to do that or something. Or it's the coolest job in the world, so it makes you that way. I don't know. Combination of those two things. Yeah. I think if you're at all faltery in your demeanor. See, that's the one thing that kind of modern America pretends isn't true. You have to be something to a fault sometimes to be good at something. I think if our fighter pilots, and these guys are young, remember? Oh, yeah. I think if they're measured, had a you know a certain amount of self-doubt, and uh, you know uh, perhaps uh, someone else should fly this mission. You know, if they it had could much be of this, that, but on the other hand, it could be that. Right, that, that you could not do that job. You've got to be an obnoxiously self-confident person. Could be. Man or woman. I don't know. Anyway, so it's a really nice uh, description of, uh, it's it's uh, November of 04, and uh, Dave, one of the, the pilot guys, takes off. They climb overhead the ship, rendezvoused in a normal fashion. Um, they talk about the Nimitz carrier strike group that they've been drilling with and working with. What Dave, the pilot, didn't know is that for the past several days, Princeton, which I think was one of the ships, had been picking up some bizarre returns on their Death Star-worthy Spy-1 radar. On several occasions, beginning on the 10th, the fire control officer and the extremely experienced fire control senior chief had detected multiple returns descending from far above the radar scan volume somewhere higher than 80,000 feet. That's high. The targets, dubbed anomalous aerial vehicles, AAVs, would drop from above 80K to hover roughly 50 feet above the water in a matter of seconds. But nobody was sure what to make of it or how to report it or whatever. Um, so it's possible that our own government is testing out stuff that they don't even tell the Navy about or the Air Force about. Yeah, it's DARPA stuff. Yeah. Perhaps. And they want to see how pilots would react to it, maybe. Yeah. So uh, they talk about Lieutenant Colonel uh, Kurth through completing a post-maintenance check flight not too far away. Um uh, the communication was strange and intriguing. He was asked to investigate an unidentified airborne contract or contact, rather, not terribly unusual, but more than a little strange, practically in sight of the San Diego home port. To add to the unusual communications, he was queried as to what ordinance he had on board. What weapons? He said, none. While Princeton was communicating with, uh, with uh, Kurth, they were also attempting to hand off their AAV contact to the Air Wing's uh, E2C Hawkeye, also airborne at the time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The AAV was currently hovering over their favorite spot, uh, not who is not clear, now about 20,000 feet over the ocean. The AAV returns had, been, had not been strong enough to show up on the E2's broad sweep, but once they focused their radar on the coordinates, they managed a faint contact. And that is what we're seeing the video of, I believe, is the radar... Uh, readout. There's a lot of detail about this. Uh, they, they they keep using the nicknames, the Jivey fighter pilot nicknames. 
of these guys. Maverick. I've been a war. I've been avoiding it, but it's impossible now. Cheeks is the one guy. They call him Cheeks. <laughs> Who knows why? Approached the spot he was being vectored to. Princeton uh, advised him to stay above 10,000 feet. The other guy's beans. Um, <laughs> sea was calm, glassy, smooth, etc., etc. He overflew, circled back. A few thousand feet below him, Dave had gone through the similar surreal experience of being asked by Princeton if the Fast Eagle jets were carrying any ordnance. Dave's baffled uh, WSO reported they had two captive-carrying training missiles, blah, blah, blah. So what do you take from this? Well, we haven't really gotten there yet. Okay. Um... But pretty soon, they all get close enough to get a better look, and they lock onto the thing. Here's a key phrase. As he got closer, he noticed it oriented its skinny end toward him, as if, in his words, it had just noticed us and was now pointing at them. I'll orient my skinny end toward you. Please Marshall's don't. got his news coming up in just a couple of seconds. Yeah, we're going to cover tax reform. Should be signed, sealed, and delivered by tomorrow night. And there's one word so annoying, it's made the top of the list of most annoying words for nine years in a row now. Next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. an air refueling tanker pilot after the movie Top Gun came out. After Top Gun came out, the fighter pilots became unbearable. I can, uh, I can, I can believe, believe that. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marine joke. How do you know when a fighter pilot walks into the room? He'll tell you. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, long story short, because we have a special guest coming up, so uh, the two air, our two guys, our two fighters, are watching this thing. They see a bunch of frothing water. They identify, they got close enough to see the object, all white, featureless, oblong, uh, seem to have a fuselage, no uh, visible means of propulsion, etc., etc., uh, accelerated away at mind-boggling speed, but a slow-mo of the video shows it wasn't a disappearance, it was right. an acceleration um, to the left. They were all debriefed, and recently, when, this, when the guy went to write the article, uh, the video, which had been on YouTube for a while, had been removed... And that a government with a three-letter identifier, government agency with a three-letter identifier, had conducted an inf- in investigation and had exhaustively interviewed all parties involved, et cetera, et cetera. We'll have a link for you to read the whole thing. It's really, really cool. Armstrongandgettyradio.com. It's indisputable. Something crazy was in the sky, hmm. and these guys saw it. Interesting. And tracked it with their, uh, their uh, infrared. I want to hear what's the most annoying word, but let's get to the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, first off, though, we'll talk about the gleeful House Republicans taking a victory lap ahead of the expected passage of their tax bill. That's going to be happening by the end of the day, and Speaker Paul Ryan said he's not worried about the polls showing the reform plan is unpopular with voters. He says skeptical people will be changing their minds about the bill once they see their paychecks. When people see their withholding improving, when they see the jobs occurring, when they see bigger paychecks, a fairer tax system, a simpler tax code... That's what's going to produce the results. Results are going to make this popular. House Democratic Leader Nancy Pelosi, though, is calling it a tax scam that is immoral. It's <laughs> disgusting, smash and grab. It's an all-out looting of America. Oh, my God. Shut up, you old bag. Or if you want to go with the independent analysis that CBS had this morning on their show, 80% of people will receive a tax cut. Is that a looting of all that is good and decent? It's a smash and grab. 
For nine years in a row, one word has been judged the most annoying word of the year. Now, we've got a new Marist poll. It comes up with the top five most annoying words for 2017. And nine years in a row, the same one's been number one. Yes. Okay, let's hear these five. All right, we'll start from the fifth most annoying. Well, it's actually a phrase. You know what I mean? (laughs) Fourth most hated, literally. Your third. I'm literally starving. Your third most uh, offensive word or hated word. No offense, but the second most annoying word of the year: fake news. Twenty-three percent of the people asked said fake news, and for the ninth year in a row, the most annoying word around. Thirty-three percent of those asked have picked it. Whatever. No. Perennial. You got to retire Whatever. that one. Put it Whatever. in the gallery of gate uh, greats, right? <laughs> so there's your there's your uh, five most annoying words of let's, the year. Let's, let's say phrases, Marshall. Phrase, what, yeah. well, most of them are phrases. Let's yeah. say phrases. What is what is communicated when you say no offense, but you're about to offend somebody? Yes. <laughs> so why do we all say it? Yeah, I realize this may be seen as hurtful. My intention is not to hurt you. That's what the phrase means. Okay. I'm going to have to tell you the truth. It's going to hurt you, but here's the truth. It's for your own good. Yes, indeed. Yeah, dip ass. All right. That's, that's what new- it means. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the voice of the West. No offense, Marshall, but the next guest is more important than your news. So. Whatever. We're breaking early. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Literally. Um, so the New York Post went, now this is presidential obstruction. An article about the Obama Iran, that whole thing. Are you following that story? Probably not. It's not getting near as much attention as you should. We're going to bring it to you next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Presidential obstruction. I was reading this piece from Jonathan Tobin. What if a president used his power to interfere with a federal investigation involving foreign powers committing serious crimes in the United States as well as elsewhere? We're not talking about Trump and Russia. We're talking about Barack Obama and Russia and Iran. This story got attention only in certain circles yesterday. Not shockingly. Yeah. And uh, it's fairly complicated. Yeah, although the simple outlines are that Hezbollah, which is a often identified as a terrorist organization, it's a lot of things. It's a political party. It's an army. It's a terrorist organization. It is a gigantic drug smuggling ring. It is a huge weapons retailer, um, and it is a proxy of Iran. They do a lot of really, really bad stuff that we've been fighting for a very, very long time. Well, according to this blockbuster piece in Politico, written by Josh Meyer, who we're hoping to line up in the next few seconds, um, Politico, not weekly standard. No, indeed. Um, The Obama administration handcuffed the DEA and would not let them go after Hezbollah as a giant drug-dealing organization um, because of the pressure to to secure the, the arms deal with Iran. What line, Mike? What line? And we have the very guy who wrote the story. Yeah, here's awesome. Josh Meyer of Politico. Uh, thanks. Hey, Josh, thanks very much for being with us. Um, sure. 
Hezbollah is a hell of a lot more complicated organization than a lot of us thought. They're making money in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're uh, a lot more complicated than, than the Bush administration, the, the Obama administration, uh, now the Trump administration, and probably going back to the Clinton and Reagan administration's thought, too. I mean, they're, they are a global, uh, you know, a U.S.-designated terrorist organization. They're, they're also a very serious military power. They have 120,000 missiles and rockets um, that they can sort of use to go after U.S. interests in the region. Uh, but they are also a political party that has, uh, I believe, the majority of seats in the Lebanese parliament. Uh, and they also have, you know, uh, you know, they're a very active player in the Lebanese government. So, And, and they provide social welfare, welfare services for people. So it's not your typical uh, government. It's not your typical terrorist organization or military. It's kind of a hybrid of, of, of all of those. So I think the, the, the headline in the story is that the you know, Obama administration sort of didn't really know how to go after them and in the process undermined some very important um, long-running investigations into how they were raising money by trafficking in drugs. Into the United States included, am I correct on that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so you've got a giant drug-dealing organization flooding the U.S. with drugs, making money for nefarious purposes, and the DEA guys who tried to bring them down, what happened when they uh, tried to, you know... Uh, close the deal. Well, I mean, you know, one thing that I tried to do in the story, and you can tell by how long it is, um, you know, it wasn't. I didn't want to sort of rely on sort of headlines here. So they they claim that they were shut down in part because of the Iran deal, but also just because of opposition and 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 how they had all the answers and nobody else understood, you know, what was right and what was wrong. You know, it is more complicated than that. I mean, you do have uh, U.S. intelligence agencies, which also uh, sometimes don't want to sort of roll up and slap handcuffs on people because they're trying to gather intelligence and see where it goes. You have di- diplomatic efforts. Um, I mean, one thing that I was very careful in the story and not doing is, is, is you know, criticizing the Iran deal. I mean, what these guys, the, the sort of protagonists who were claimed they were shut down, what they've said from the beginning is this has nothing to do with the Iran deal. Whether, whether you're a supporter or a detractor of the Iran deal, you should be able to negotiate uh, with the Iranians uh, and still hold them and hold Hezbollah to account. You shouldn't give them a free pass. You know, that should have been part of the negotiations. And, you know, what happened is that the Obama administration, you know, through some of these hidden deals, you know, gave away much more than the American public knew that they did. Was there much infighting inside the, the government at that time between the various, you know, moving parts? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's what you know, a big part of the story is about. I mean, you had. Um, you know, the, the, what was so fascinating to me is the DEA is a relatively, you know, young organization. I think they were founded in 1973, 72 or 73 by Richard Nixon to sort of um, uh, group together all of the drug efforts. But, you know, you have the CIA and the FBI that are much more uh, sort of uh, established organizations, um, very sort of proud institutions who are neither of which is known for being very collegial with each other. So the FBI and the CIA we're always locking horns on this in terms of some wanting to lock people up and others wanting to sort of gather intelligence. And then in walks the DEA and essentially, you know, angers everybody by, you know, trying to sort of be the, the one that went after these global kingpins um, and, and sort of doing it in their own way. And they had sort of a swashbuckling air about them. Uh, you know, they caught Victor Boot, you know, the, uh, the Russian arms trafficker known as the Lord of War. They, they took down another guy named Manzar Al-Kassar, who was a, 
uh, global weapons and drug trafficker. And so coming off of those victories, you know, they were, they had kind of a swagger and they were, you know, going after Hezbollah and, and other agencies were saying, Hey, you know, what are you doing? And, and so they, they ended up locking horns on this. And the other, some of the other agencies, as the story notes, were saying, well, we don't even believe your intelligence. We don't think that Hezbollah as an organization is operationally in charge of this. We think that they may be benefiting from it, uh, you know, from a lot of Lebanese, you know, uh, people that happen to be in the business around the world. But we don't think that it's sort of an official policy of the organization. Well, you know, somebody so could come come away from reading your piece with a variety of opinions about the wisdom of the way the Obama administration elected to go about it, uh, you know, and you'll get right. a, a range of responses. But, you know, uh, Josh, I would love to see your piece uh, used in political science classes around the country as a guy who sat through a bunch of them, illustrating how difficult and complicated it is to deal with a non-state actor as complicated as Hezbollah, especially you know, since they're good buddies with Iran, well, you're trying to do a major deal with Iran. This is hairy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, as I started reporting this, I realized, you know, this, this has this, you know, the, the sort of narrative arc of this or the sweep of it is, is huge. I mean, at the same time, we were saying, you know, or, or some U.S. agencies were saying, you know, let's not go after them because they're not blowing anything up anymore. I mean, they used to kill a lot of Americans, you know, in the 80s. Uh, and so forth, um, you know, more than any other group until Al Qaeda came along. Uh, and, and if they're not doing that, you know, why do we care? But, you know, what, what the story shows and what the DEA people were saying, uh, or the DEA task force, it was, it was other people involved from other agencies were saying was, you know, the trafficking in drugs is, is, is bankrolling a lot of other stuff they're doing, including coming up with these really high tech, deadly IEDs that they're giving to Shiite militias in Iraq that are using them to kill you know, I think some estimates are 800 U.S. troops. So you've wow. got that. You've got them bankrolling all of the, you know, I think they sent five, ten thousand, 10,000, you know, very well-trained and well-equipped soldiers to fight in Syria. You know, they're fighting U.S.-backed uh, rebels, or they used to be anyway. Um, you know, they're undermining U.S. security interests in Latin America, in Africa. Um, so, you know, some people do think that they they actually do pose much more of a threat to the United States than than some government agencies are letting on, or or that they realize. What's interest most interesting thing you said to me is just a glimpse at um, at bureaucracies and big government, and I don't know if you want to call it the deep state or permanent this or that. But when you said the DEA, the new kids on the block, they've only been around since '73. Wow! So a forty-five-year-old organization still can't take on an organization. Organizations have been there decades long because they've got entrenched territory or something. I don't even quite understand that. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, and I wrote a, a book earlier about uh, the hunt for the nine eleven mastermind, Cliche Sheikh Mohammed, and that was a lot. A lot of that was about how the CIA and the FBI didn't get along. And, and the point is that uh, there were people in each agency that, that said, we need to, you know, sort of uh, bury the hatchet and, and work together because, you know, we both do important things and we need to sort of combine them so that we, you know, protect the United States. But, but And that hasn't you know, entirely happened as, as we run out of time, right. but that clearly has not yeah. entirely happened. Josh, hey, listen, we appreciate right. you sparing a couple minutes. I'm afraid we're up against a hard break, but we wanted to get you yeah. on when, when we could because the piece is terrific and really thought-provoking uh, and well done. I hope we can talk again uh, soon, maybe when we both have a little more time. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime. All right. Thanks a million. Yeah, it's it's really good long form journalism, but it it really shows you the complexity of all this oh, stuff. Oh God, I'd say so. That kind of siloing and turf 
protection still exists between the CIA sure. and the FBI. Well, yeah, and, and I think the other angle of it is I absolutely would say the Obama administration went way too far going easy on Hezbollah to get the nuclear deal. You know, other people might disagree, but you can't have the DEA doing an enormous drug bust if it will, pardon me, F up an enormous nuclear deal with a would-be aggressor. I mean, there do have to be priorities. Sure, if you think that there are way more lives on the line with Iran getting a nuke. Right, right. But how it unfolded is pretty controversial, but really, really interesting. Pretty interesting. And now, final thoughts with Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty on the Armstrong and Getty radio program. Thank you for your brevity, old-timey, <laughs> high-voiced guy. Let's get into it. Michael, Michelangelo, final thought. Uh, yeah, my gift, the gift exchange just arrived. I'm excited about it. Hopefully you'll find it moderately humorous and family friendly. <laughs> that is our goal around here. Positive Sean, your final thought. Yeah, excellent interview there, but I hope this doesn't set a precedent where we all of a sudden start tryharding during the petering out. We need not to let that happen. <laughs> right. Have that slip into the show. Yeah. Marshall Phillips, final thought. Gotta run and literally chase down my present for the Armstrong and Getty gift exchange. It's <laughs> apparently on the move. They got loose. <laughs> Jack, your final thoughts, sir. My wife got to the grocery store today, I think, to get the ingredients for my favorite cookie of all time. The Christmas cookie, they're like white with the frosting on top. What do you call those? Just Christmas cookies? They're like really light-colored. Your classic Christmas cookie. Is it Snickerdoodles? No. White cookie privilege. That's no, what I call they have a name, An Oreo. God, I milk. love those Christmas cookies. Whatever Best they are, they're the delicious. World. Yes. Yeah. So my final thought is we have posted a link to that Politico piece so you can find it easily. It's uh, It's long. Also, that really cool account of the uh, fighter pilots off San Diego yeah. and encountering the UFOs, uh, that is also a, a bit of long-form journalism, but well worth a read. All of that is at armstrongandgettyradio.com. You know, you usually stamp one out as a Christmas tree. One is a jingle bell. One is a oh, Santa. Yeah. And you have red or green frosting on them. Oh, yeah, God. I call them delicious. You could eat like 50 of them in a sitting. Yeah. God bless America. This is a... Uh historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over! The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Get. And we apologize for our stupidity. And we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Experts are saying this could lead to as many as 30 texts from your mother. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.